This is Scoot from the Cleveland Sports Fan Network here to tell you about our new lineup for the rest of 2021 and beyond. We still have your favorites like Oshimaida and the Fan on Mondays, our flagship show, the Cleveland Sports Fan, on Tuesdays. Wednesday has the Burley Gunner Show. Thursday is the Four Chubs, a roundtable show hosted by Burley Gunner. And on Friday, Pit Road News, a NASCAR, F1, and IndyCar talk show hosted by Scoot the Cleveland sports fan himself. New episodes every day at 6 a.m. Eastern. Visit us at redcircle.com forward slash Cleveland dash sport dash fan. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to the law firm of Davis & Davis. We're not a real law firm. Go ahead, grab a beer, a glass of wine, sit back and listen. Ladies and gentlemen, to Davis and Davis, the Davis law Davis. firm that doesn't do any law. <laughs> you broke a law, we don't care. <laughs> we just don't give a shit. Today, today is a good day. Today is, today is uh, Maker's Mark and Coke Zero, folks. Beautiful, beautiful. I am imbibing in a, a couple of Cle- uh, Ohio beers. One from Columbus, uh, Brew Dogs. Uh, this is a uh, IPA with uh, passion and united by Brew Dog. Yes, grapefruit infused IPA. Very good stuff. And then I also have some Great Lakes Commodore Perry IPA. So because. The store that carries my alcohol apparently caught fire this evening. I go to my local Acme store, and there is a ladder truck and a sheriff and uh, the fire department SUV and guys in fire and all the everybody's outside. And I'm like, this doesn't bode well for me buying some bourbon this evening. So, c'est la vie. Went down to another store, got me some beers. Life is good. Now what? What's funny about this is people from other states are sitting there laughing right now because you said Acme, and nobody realizes that it's a real store. Oh, uh, yeah. It used to be Acme <laughs> Click. And, uh, no, yeah, Acme stores have been big in Ohio for a long, long time. Mm. Um, oh, they're not they're not Clicks anymore? No, I think Clicks are all gone, if, I were, if I'm, I believe. Hmm. Because, uh, uh, yeah, it was clicks all the way through my life. Uh, ah. And, and, and ah. What, what type of cooler is that that you have that in? Once again, sponsored by Brewmate Coolers. This is the same cup that I've been using for all my gin and vodkas and everything. It also converts into a beautiful 12-ounce uh, can holder. 
there's actually it is a killer koozie there is actually a small piece in the bottom that you can freeze to keep your beer even colder while it's sitting inside of the brewery yeah awesome product highly recommend all right everyone you you everyone get onto your phones right now (laughs) order stuff to help you drink more alcohol call them up and tell them to sponsor davis and davis the law firm (laughs) that doesn't do law now uh, last week we started talking about something that that was highly interesting and and um and you got really excited about so i said we've got to do a whole show on it an entire show I don't know if we could do an entire show on it. Yeah, oh, well, I think this is going to be you rambling and me reacting more than anything else because uh, I think you're a little more involved in the the, the well, music scene and theater scene up there than I was. So okay, so 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 the viewers or so the listeners understand this is just Burke saying I didn't do any homework for this, so you need to carry the show. Yeah, maybe a little bit. I, I honestly, I tried, man. And there's just not a lot of, there's not a lot of stuff out there. I mean, I, although I did find out that uh, the wife of one of the Belkins realized that she had uh, 30 years of t-shirts in her attic and she actually wrote a book. And it's like, I, I think it has like pictures of all these t-shirts and, and concert events and stuff like that. Kind of a visual representation of all these shows down the years and everything, which was kind of ex- just came out in 2018. So I'm kind of now kind of I, thinking I might saw, buy that book. I saw the, I saw the interview on YouTube when I was doing my research and all that. Um, and Jules was still alive because he does an interview with her when they were talking about it. So was it Fran? Was that her name? Uh, Fran is her name. Okay. And, and it was, it was a very interesting, uh, uh, video. Uh, it is actually what, what kind of sparked everything in my head as to, as to, uh, how much Cleveland, is the center of of rock and roll jules belkin was probably the largest producer music producer live music producer in the world yeah Um, there was a point when he kind of dominated everything because he was doing stuff it wasn't just cleveland and ohio with him he was doing uh, he was doing on the west coast if i recall huge tours i mean uh yeah the uh like like the Kiss tour was not a Belkin production. That was that was done out of down here in Texas. Uh, as a matter of fact, Gemini stage lighting here in Dallas was the the first uh, touring company to to work with Kiss. But he he did get some really really huge name. I mean, the U two concert that I went to in nineteen eighty five or eighty four was a Belkin production. I actually have my ticket stub from from a concert in the 70s um, that I didn't actually go to. My brother did. Uh, it was Michael Stanley Band. Okay. And for people who are not from Northeast Ohio, you do know Michael Stanley Band from his one song, uh, well, My Maybe two. Maybe, Maybe two. two songs. Yeah. 
Well, do you time. love her? Do you love her? Was a pretty decent hit, and uh, you know, this town mm-hmm. is my town. Was a pretty big hit. My town was 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 a big hit, and what he tried to do with it was he tried to make a version for every for every large... city. Yeah, <laughs> I, the guy wasn't dumb. Uh, no, but no. but but yeah, he was. But these guys were actually his managers. Yeah, I, I you know Jules and Mike. Mike was was Jules' brother, and they were partners in the business. Uh, they they were the ones that found that niche in in the market and they started to specialize in in concerts for coliseums now not open air not I although mean, they, there were only two i was reading that there were only two open air uh concert series going on back in the in the early 70s and they were one of the two the other yes. one was in san diego someplace and everything but yeah do, you, would you like to hear that 1974 lineup Oh, yes. Let okay. Me it's the Beach Boys, Joe Walsh, Barnstorm, Leonard Skinner, and Ario Speedwagon. Wow. Not a not a bad group, you know, for you know, rocking. You know, what do they? What do they call that damn thing? World Series of Rock. That's what it was called back then. And they did that from 74 to 80, I believe. Joe Walsh. Uh, Joe Walsh was was huge in Cleveland. Uh, he actually in Kent. I mean, there's everybody yeah. who lives in Kent has a story about going and seeing him playing at the bars, and and you know, I, every time he comes on the TV, it's like, oh, hey, lo- local boy does good. Good for I, him. <laughs> so, what one of the things that I wanted to talk about was how uh, we get a lot of people uh, asking why the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is in Cleveland. We get a lot of people saying, "Well, why, why, why?" Uh, and and there, there's places like Nashville that that are the home to country music. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and then and then New Orleans is is Creole style. Yeah. Uh, uh, Zyde, Zydeco music. And you've got the the rap centers of New York and L.A. and they can battle each other out for that. But yeah, yeah. Jules. And Mike Belkin made Cleveland the home of rock and roll. But not only did they do it with the big shows, they did it with the smaller shows, the smaller shows that went into places like the Agora. Um, I, I know anyone who is a historian in Cleveland has heard Bruce Springsteen at the Agora in 1978, I think it was. I believe so, yeah. yeah. Um, probably one of the, the the best and most bootlegged show I've ever seen or heard in, yeah. my, <laughs> in my life. Um, but for some reason, uh, Cleveland became the hub. It's not just some reasons. Yeah. Well, there, they, there they was, I mean, they, they were heavily partnered up with WMMS also. That was the next thing to come in. Yep. WMMS was an independent station in Cleveland, yep. but it was the rock and roll station in Cleveland. If you were a rock and roll artist, the only radio state, 
there were two radio stations to go to in Cleveland. There was WMMS and WGCL. Oh, yes, GCL. I was going to say WJW, but yeah, you are correct. Yep, yep. Well, w- WJW w- was later, I believe. WGCL had a guy named Uncle Vic who was... Kind of forgot about him. <laughs> who was a radio <laughs> DJ who... He was he was huge. He was he was syndicated. He you heard him all over the US. It came from Cleveland. And and it was kind of the same thing with WMMS. Uh WMMS and Westwood One worked in tandem with each other to put concerts out on radio stations all across America. And all that started in Cleveland. Um, they they would they would airplay unknowns you know if, if they liked your sound they would play on the radio just plain and simple like you know pirate radio damn near but yeah I mean they were great they would take well I mean Bowie for instance wouldn't be big in the U.S. if it wasn't for MMS they you know pushed him and 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 people were like oh that's not bad and even like quasi punk bands even got a lot of airplay on MMS back in the day bands from Akron, as a matter of fact, that were just, you know, unknowns and they got airplay. uh, How do you think Devo got started? Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, everyone says it was a, it was MTV. It wasn't MTV. Uh, WMMS put them on the map, put them on the Mac map by playing their music first. Uh, we we have to we have to kind of keep on track here because there's a lot to go through. <laughs> um, the thing about Cleveland and and the Cleveland area is that we had the venues. We had the Richfield Coliseum. Saw a couple, uh, yeah, saw a couple concerts there in my day. Yep. We we had Municipal Stadium. Yep. Which that was the Indians. Indians uh, Browns. Yeah big round thing that could hold a hundred thousand people but saw, could only but al- could Floyd only be there. used three three months out of the year <laughs> time slots were limited because <laughs> it was open air it was literally open air it was literally open air and the the other venue that really made its mark in america was blossom music center blossom music center uh started to be built in 1967 I do believe I know it opened in 68 so it could have been 67 or 65 or 66 somewhere in there somewhere in there uh, the <laughs> the thing about Blossom Music Center is that this amphitheater became the model for amphitheaters across the country and the reason that it became the model is Belkin Productions that that was their stable that that was one oh, yeah. of their stable venues so they would they would send the ground plans for that venue out and all of a sudden people are building the exact same venue over and over and you know some things change here and there but but the fact is is that you have a a lawn that holds 15,000 people and 
you have 15,000 people or, or 10,000 people underneath the, the balcony. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Before you go on, mm. I have three words for you. Ooh. Mighty, mighty boss stones. <laughs> how many concerts did you go to with me i that might have been the one that was a uh a, it was a Lollapalooza. Yeah, it was a Lollapalooza. yeah yeah but it no was... you you went you went to uh bare naked ladies with me up at up at the oh Rock god that's Hall right as well. yeah yeah that's right i forgot about that yeah yeah that was a good that was a good time <laughs> it was a really that was that was a great show that was uh televised that was set up for that MTV, was, if I recall. It was set up for MTV uh, just prior to the, the opening nominations of the... and the um, grand opening of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Because it was on the front lawn of the Hall of Fame. Yeah, we didn't even we couldn't even get into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, uh, and that was a free show, if I recall. It was. Yeah, that was awesome. That was a great time. I was I was like this this is great man yeah. that was that wasn't even Belkin, um, but anyway we my, digress yeah but it, because we were <laughs> this this man on the other side of the screen it had a lot of beers and the money money boss tones are on and uh, and he would just turn around and go it's the money money boss tones and just every five <laughs> seconds it was it was like Rosette going I love you man it's the money money boss tones every five seconds like, yes yes Scott we know yes they're on the stage we can see them thank you thank you hey wait Scott who's on stage it's the mighty money okay got it. bare naked ladies was at that concert as well yes and uh, they, they were the headliner soul, soul coughing was on the top of the hill uh-huh. behind us um which oh, i had actually discovered them like the year before or something as this really bizarre shit but good stuff rollins rollins what was henry rollins was he there henry rollins was on the upper stage earlier in the day oh god i don't think i hit him i would have loved to have seen him yeah it was that was a heck of a that was a heck of a lineup man <laughs> anyway I just, so we were I talking about that. <laughs> I, I, I heard that bum, 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 and I went, oh, it's the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. Yep. Yeah, you were jamming. You were off in your own world. Anyway, um, so we were talking about that venue so, being the archetype so that, for Belkin to send out to the rest of the world. That that venue was uh, was the base for a lot of of amphitheaters, and uh, there's been so many shows that have come through that that building. Uh, oh dear God, I wouldn't even. I yeah, how many thousands of shows have been there? And, and, and oh yeah, now it, it, it's a. Uh, I hate to get away from Jules right now. I, I really do because Jules is is such a pivotal part but there was a point in time in cleveland history where uh the belkin brothers ended up stopping producing and uh players like aeg and live nation came into play and and they are still the big players in in cleveland at this point in time but the big tours, the Doobie Brothers, Pink Floyd, mm -hmm. uh, U2, 
which, which even back then was not a big tour, guys. Yeah, that was a small no. tour. Yeah, they were the openers at that <sighs> point in time. Yeah, That's... you know, Gloria was their one song. Hey, that hey, was it. Ever everyone that 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 loves Eric Clapton, did you know that he was actually the opening band for Michael Stanley? Holy shit! <laughs> he was the opening band at Blossom Music Center. God damn! For the Michael Stanley band. <laughs> <laughs> the big man the big man on the saxophone <laughs> mr clarence clemens the sax player for bruce springsteen actually played songs for michael stanley no shit yes that's that's pretty fucking cool everyone the person who wrote the parts for the song Lover, the saxophone parts, that's Clarence Clemens. <laughs> so, who, who was also in uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. God bless his soul. So, so having having Jules and Mike living in, in Cleveland created this great opportunity for bands in Cleveland to be heard. Hence, we go towards the things like Devo. Uh, Wild Cherry. Wild Cherry. Play that funky music, White Boy. That was, yeah, that they put them on the map. Warrant. Was James Warrant? Gang. War yeah, Warrant was yeah. Cherry Pie, right? Yep, yep. Uh, Janie Lane. That's who, who was yep. the, the uh, lead just, on that. I, if, as far as I know, still lives in Akron and Copley, if I recall. Ooh, J Janie died. Nope, oh, my bad. I'm bad at yeah. I'm bad at that shit anymore. I'm getting old and not remembering who's passed away. Jane well, we have a we, we have a mutual friend who lived literally next door to him. Yeah. Um <laughs> it, like totally next. As a matter of fact, he came down here. He came down to to Dallas to do a show over at Firewater. And I was like, "Okay, I'm going to go over there." So I I go over. All you have to do at a concert is have a shirt that says something like Davis Lighting Designs. And you can something go anywhere? That, that on the back says, you know, life is a freak show, we just light it. <laughs> and for some reason, no security tries to stop you. <laughs> so I proceeded to walk right up to his tour bus. You weren't lighting the show. I don't know. I didn't even pay for a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> Lock up, knock Lock on up. the door. Hey, JD. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm friends with Carl. Oh, oh, man. I hope, <laughs> he, I hope he turned off my garage lights. <laughs> I, I'll, I, I'll I, check. I, I'll call him. Um, <laughs> so I, I got to see Warrant basically for free. Nice. <laughs> um, but, but. The the uh, I guess the point that I'm making is that is that having all of these top notch venues, well I say top notch. I worked at the Richfield Coliseum. It was not top notch. Oh god, that that the worst acoustic. I mean, it was just a cement cube. But, the worst uh, yeah. acoustics in the world. I saw the Who there and was deaf for days. And but yeah, it, it was in. It was the only big indoor place we had up there. And 
frankly, if you lived in Ohio, you needed something to do in the middle of winter, and it was go to there and watch a show. I saw you two, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, Kiss, Kissing the Plasmatics. Which oh, shit. I'd rather see the Plasmatics, actually. Uh, uh, Frankie Goes to Hollywood. That'd be a good show. I saw and... the Purple Rain tour with uh, Sheila E. opening up for uh, Prince and the Revolution. That was yeah. phenomenal. I uh, I enjoyed working there, uh, but it was it was definitely a nightmare. I uh, okay, so so the two places that I worked the most was um, this is Scoot from the Cleveland Sports Fan Network here to tell you about our new lineup for the rest of 2021 and beyond. We still have your favorites like Oshimaida and the Fan on Mondays, our flagship show, the Cleveland Sports Fan on Tuesdays, Wednesday has the Burley Gunner Show, Thursday is the Four Chubs, a roundtable show hosted by Burley Gunner, and on Friday, Pit Road News, a NASCAR, F1, and IndyCar talk show hosted by Scoot, the Cleveland Sports Fan himself. New episodes every day at 6 a.m. Eastern. Visit us at redcircle.com forward slash Cleveland dash sport dash fan. University of Akron's uh, The Jar Arena? No, No. the theater. Uh, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The theater with the big chrome cylinders that tell you whether the ceiling's up or down. E.J. Thomas Hall. So I worked at E.J. Thomas Hall in Richfield Coliseum. Uh, the Richfield Coliseum was, what, 30 miles outside of Cleveland? Yeah, about the halfway point between us and Cleveland, yeah. Uh, it was it was, it was, was where the big stars would go. We, we, had, we didn't have Rocket, Rocket Center, is it? Rocket downtown, Stadium? No, uh, uh, now it's Qualcomm. The Rocket or, Center, yeah. I think. Fuck whatever, so. yeah. Fuck it. Changes okay. names every day. Hard to tell. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, uh, but Cleveland didn't have a lot of venues downtown at that point in time. Uh, in the eighties, Jules and Mike actually pushed a bunch of places to open up. So in the eighties, you started seeing places like the Odeon being okay. built. Um. The Nautica stage, which I do believe, if I remember this correctly, I think Jules and Mike had a huge part in paying for that to be built. And originally, Nautica stage was not a permanent uh, venue. Was that why they have the canvas covering on the roof? That was the the canvas covering actually came in. I think that was the second year. Uh, I I went to see a show there when they didn't have the canvas, and it just was a downpour. <laughs> and uh, who was it? it? Was Sebastian Bach? Uh, what was oh. his? What was his Skid Row? Yes, yes. Um, so I went to see Skid Row there, and. Really, if anyone gets a chance to see 
H-O-Nautica stage. Um, do it. It's a great, great venue. I mean, the, the backdrop alone is worth the price of admission. Uh, you just got the, the, you got the river turning right there. And there's usually like 30 or 40 boats just kind of chill and listen to the music on the river right there. You've got a beautiful bridge, beautifully lit. Um, yeah, it's a great, great venue. I think I saw Tangerine Dream, as I recall, at the Nautica. It's the only show I saw there. But uh, yeah, great, great place. And, and acoustics are awesome because you're outdoors. There's nothing. Well, really it's outdoors. To, there's, yeah, there's, there's nothing. nothing there's nothing really to bounce off. off. Yeah, it's, it's a great place. Um, it's right on the river. It's it's right on the river by the by the revolving bridge, and uh, it, it's probably my fav- favorite venue in Cleveland to go see a show. Uh, it's it was built by Dick Jacobs. So there you go. There you go. Okay. So that's why it was originally called. Well, it was Jacob's originally Pavilion? called Nautica Stage, and then it was changed to the Scene Pavilion, and then it was changed to Jacob's Pavilion. So Jacob's Pavilion, that's her. Yep. Uh, the the big tent on the uh, yeah. Anyways, uh. Oh, whoa. Sorry. Either you lost your drink or that flying thing is attacking you again. One of the two. No, I I had my phone in my pocket. I have it muted so that you can't hear it. But the vibrator on these iPhones, man, you you could tape that to somebody and it would just... (laughs) Text, text, text. Oh. (laughs) Wow. Anyways, back to what we were talking about. So, so Dick Jacobs and all this—they make this—they make this big, huge monster of of a rock and roll city. And now people like Dick Jacobs are coming in, and they're helping, and they're gonna build. They're gonna build. We get a house of blues. Yeah, that's uh, right. Which what one of my one of my friends on Facebook used to used to be the technical director there um now what other venues did we have there oh well you can't really rule out the the convention center but that's uh yeah, the music yeah. hall at the convention center is one of i saw daryl hall and john oates at the oh music god hall. i would kill to see them that'd be a great show i saw Nine Inch Nails there, if I recall. I bet the place about fell down with how loud it was. It, yeah, that was that was a good show. So, anyways, you 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 now have about eight venues within thirty miles of each other. Eight varying venues. sizes, capacities, acoustics, but yeah, you, you could tailor it to whatever you wanted. But the uh oh uh oh <laughs> you you're probably going to have to keep the date July 2nd 2022 open uh, why is that what do we got going on July- oh uh, hold on what is that 
Go ahead, say it. It would be Bare Naked Ladies Last Summer on Earth Tour. <laughs> Where is this at? Nautica State. Oh, Christ. All right. All right. So we're just putting that. You said the 22nd? <laughs> that is the, the July 2nd, 2022. They already have July twenty second. That's a Friday. Alrighty. July July second. Second. Whoa, whoa, whoa. July second is a Saturday. One day after my wife's birthday, she'll probably hate me. Of course she will. Not like she probably already hates me, but you know. Naked uh, ladies. All right, we have put that. We put that in the calendar. Holy crap. They have uh how much are the VIP tickets? I, I Don't have care. to look. Oh come on, you've gotta have some connections. Come on. I I know I've got some connections, but all right, well. But you know, uh, okay. Even with the connections that I have, I <laughs> I tend to uh I tend to pay for shows. I, I know how upset I get when I don't get paid fair enough fair enough uh, so I, I don't mind spending $170 for a VIP ticket where I get to meet the band fair enough uh, it is, I don't go to concerts that often Bare Naked Ladies last concert I think it's worth it Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my boss at work. Well, I take it back. the The guy who used to own where I work stopped in the other day, and he's like, "Hey, do you still sing that bare naked lady song for uh, for for you know at bars and shit?" I'm like, "Yeah, it's been a while, but yeah." I was like, "Dude, you were amazing. You had every word. I was I'm fucking blown away." Yeah, this, yeah, he was the owner. He was a little on the crazy side, bless his soul. But yeah, that's the first thing he comes at. You saw that bare naked lady? Yeah, chickadee china. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, got it. Got it. Bare naked ladies. <laughs> um, yes, that that kind of cracks me. Tickets are on sale right now, so I, I may uh, I may talk to you after this and All right, yeah, we'll do that. Figure something out here because uh, uh, yeah. Are you going to be in Ohio at that time, or are you going to have to come to Ohio? Well, that's a discussion. For another time and off the air, or <laughs> that's a discussion that can't take place at this point in time. Fair enough. All right. Uh, that, there are there there are, are there are whisperings. <laughs> there are you know I cannot are, confirm or deny those allegations. Uh, there are cogs turning. There are uh, yeah, brakes squealing. <laughs> there are people around certain areas and from my past sitting back in a chair right now going oh fuck no <laughs> alright say hello but, kitty oh he's back what are you doing buddy he's just sitting here wanting some bets but I think we need to uh, put break. a pause on this and take a break break, break time and right. we're back. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I have papers on my desk. The cat must, must sit on, lay them. on them. Say goodbye, cat. Goodbye, cat. All right. So, so 
so we we started to talk about the the largest man I, I can't even say that it was the largest rock uh series that there ever was because there has been others that have outdone this but I, i'm gonna the have... reason that they have those massive rock shows are because of these guys belkin mms the whole seat yeah we were both just looking at this massive list of because they did more than one show a year i mean there's three shows in 1974 alone um and, and we're talking at, Emerson Lake and Palmer, uh, Santana, Beach Boys, Rolling Stones, 1975, The Rolling Stones. Oh, yeah, for yeah, fuck's sake. I mean. <laughs> the, the freaking list gets better as it goes along. Yeah, but like they, they weren't just, it was not The Rolling Stones and three other you got Tower Power, Jay Giles, and Joe Vitale's Mammoth. So, I mean, it wasn't just The Stones, it was four, three other bands. For, you know, Walsh, yes, Michael Stanley, I mean, Aerosmith, I, I, Blue Oyster Cult, Ted Nugent, Todd Rundgren, Nazareth, Floyd was its only show. They were the only people at that particular show. It was 1977. So, Jay Giles, Frampton, Bob Seeger, Kansas, ELO, Foreigner, Journey, uh, The Cars, Eddie Money, Aerosmith. Then Lizzie, ACDC. Yeah. I mean, Judas Priest. That was just their the outdoor shit. Yeah. Then Lizzie. Yeah. <laughs> um, Any money. Yeah. <laughs> Journey twice. I know, right? Twice. <laughs> Dude, Ario Speedwagon in 74 was a nobody band. They, don't, they might not even have Cronin singing at that point. I think back on the road again might have been their only hit at that point. That's a uh, there. There's okay. Anybody that is a fan of of Cleveland rock history, uh, there's a there's a book by a gentleman named John Gorman, and the book is called The Buzzard. And it talks about the glory days of WMMS and how, how much, okay, WMMS was so big that they would hold a concert at Blossom Music Center for free every year. And it was a big name. I went to the Bruce Hornsby uh, freebie show freebie show I, I i mean they would at places uh, <laughs> i think i think this the statistic that stood out to me the most was the fact that they averaged sixty thousand dollars or sixty thousand people in attendance that was an average across <laughs> venues that only hold 30,000 people. <laughs> I, 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 they were the gods of rock and roll. And, and honestly, the, uh, everyone, well, I think everyone knows that, that I also do the Cleveland sports fan. 
I wanted WMMS and the Indians to make some sort of a deal and become the Cleveland Buzzards. <laughs> that would have been cool. Best logo ever. Yeah, and nobody would be offended. That that logo, the the buzzard, was not because of Hinkley. It was uh, somebody's idea of satire. The buzzard circling around the dead body was their idea. Yeah, was and then all of a sudden that they just took off and it turned it around and then everyone like you know, embraced the buzzard. Yeah, good That's shit. A, uh, the 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 Hinkley reference refers to uh, uh, whip sledges. Uh, the buzzards return to Hinkley every year, almost they, on the same day every year. Yeah, they return to to the Metro Parks there in in Hinkley, Ohio, every year, and proceed to peck the eyeballs out of the little kids that are watching it. I know that that's not really what happens, but I wanted to make sure that people were listening. <laughs> and if it did. I'd be okay with that too. Yeah. <laughs> Serves him right. Mm. Buzzer's going, get off my lawn, you little bastards. Yeah. <laughs> so, so now that we've talked about some of the history here, what say you? What What was your first concert? Oh, uh, uh, I, I think it was the Who. I was a freshman in high school. Mm. It was supposedly their last tour. Oh, yeah, because they retired again. Well, uh, they came back a second time minus Pete Townsend, which was also at the Coliseum. But, uh, yeah, it was it was the who. He was the too Coliseum. busy looking at kitty porn. Uh, you know, well, he was <laughs> deaf as a doorknob to also. Yeah, but... Uh, yeah, the Who was my first concert. That was at the yeah at the Coliseum. Yeah, my first concert. Okay, I have to I have to say that I had two first concerts because I went to a concert with my parents, and I don't okay. consider that going to a concert because you're not going to do you were, any of the stuff that you do at a concert. You went to a show with your parents is different yeah. than going to a concert. Well, it was Hall and Oates, so it was well, really <laughs> underrated band, in my opinion. They but, dominated the '80s, came out of Motown. Uh, if you've never seen live at Daryl's house, man, what a great show that is! Just uh, ZZ Top shows up, CeeLo Green shows show. up, unbelievably great stuff. So anyway, I digress. So, so I I officially say my first concert was Kiss and the Plasmatics. Oh, you see now I'm uh, and to back that up just a touch when I was in I don't know third uh, fourth fifth and sixth grade everyone there loved kiss all the kids I hated loved kiss therefore I had to hate kiss but but having gone into the technical theater department and everything like that I can only imagine that those shows looked effing incredible they had to be beautifully lit shows the special effects had to be top notch so i bet the show itself was phenomenal i'm gonna um all right my my brother i think i was 13 when i went to the show and my brother uh 
said that he would drive us because I didn't want my mother to drive us. God, no. Um, you didn't want your mother to pick you up was the bigger thing. The only reason that my brother <laughs> said yes to going was he found out that the plasmatics were in it. Wendy Williams. Yeah. <laughs> of which I think it was the year before Wendy o. Williams got arrested in Detroit for shoving her microphone up her, um, up her hoo-ha. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> she had a couple public indecency charges levied against her in her day. <laughs> so, of course. Like, I think my, she would wear whipped cream as a bra, and eventually it would fall off. But, yeah, hey, shit happens, right? My, my brother, whose favorite band at that time was, I think, Queen. Not a horrible uh, band to have be a favorite band of. Uh, he was definitely not into Kiss. Uh-oh. Something overheating? Uh, no, that was my backups unit. Okay. I don't know if you heard it going off, but apparently the power went out for a second. But I have backups <laughs> units on everything, so I don't really worry too much about it. Um, anyways, so yes, Wendy O. Williams came, did her show. The, uh, how do you say, it was the worst lit show I'd ever seen right up until Kiss took oh, the yeah. stage. <laughs> then all of a sudden you were like, oh, oh, oh. where were all those? <laughs> Wendy <laughs> was riding up and down on the genie lift. <laughs> In a vinyl skirt that was, yeah, okay, yeah, anyway. Uh, what was your favorite band that you ever saw? Oh, mm-hmm. God. Now, now we're going, now, now you've got to make this decision of who was my favorite band and, ah. uh, that I have seen live. Oh, uh, all right. Um, yeah. Okay. The Prince show was phenomenal and, and Prince was a phenomenal artist uh, and his guitar playing was damn near on par with Jimi Hendrix. I mean, he was really good. Um, yeah. Wait, are you talking shit? Cause I mean, I s- best the, the, show you've ever seen. Okay. Prince would have to be the best show I ever saw. Okay. Purple rain tour was phenomenal. The, everything was on point. Uh, it was just, it was a tight show. Lights were perfect. St- everything was perfect. The sound, everything was perfect. The The show I enjoyed the most was probably Stevie Ray Vaughn at the Jar Arena at Akron U, just because it was this tiny little venue and this amazing guitar player. I mean, the lighting was okay. You know, the sound was good, but it was fucking Steve Ray Vaughn. I mean, you know, it's like you're watching a legend play guitar in front of you. But show-wise, the Purple Rain, yeah, Purple Rain was a absolutely amazing show. Um, the Who's second show at the Coliseum, they used only half of the Coliseum, had a 30-piece orchestra backing them up, 
Pete Townsend was deaf and his brother Simon, who was also a, a guitar player who had a couple albums, played guitar for him. And that's, that was an amazing sounding show. Um, lighting was okay, but the, the, you know, it sounded phenomenal and it was, you know, good stuff there. Um, yeah. And Thurgood was a good show too. George Thurgood at, at Jar Arena was, was just a fun time. Okay. Uh, my, oh, the best show I've ever seen. Might have to go with Depeche Mode. Oh, that, that probably would be a phenomenal show. The, they, they even, now this was probably two, 2000s that I saw them. Yeah, that would be their era. Right, right in that era. Um, but they, they were still using projections. They, they were one of the first people I've seen use pro projections in a show. Um, like backing screens behind them and shit like that. Uh, not just that, but, but, but onto them, onto the, the scenery that they were standing on. Huh. Or what, uh, what was the venue? This was I was in I was in Virginia. So it was I do I want to say that it was the Hampton Coliseum. Um I'm almost positive that it was, but I when I was living there, I was doing a lot of shows, so I can't remember off the top of my head. I'd have to actually yeah, go and fair enough. Up. Um Oh, I think I have to have a tie here though. Because uh, while I was there in Virginia, actually, this it was Virginia, nineteen ninety three. Okay, I saw Tears for Fears. Wow, oh, shit! At yeah, Chrysler Hall. Now I've seen Tears for Fears five times. I, nice. <laughs> I religiously go and see these guys. Um, I even saw tears for fears play at mandalay bay oh, in las wow. vegas they mandalay bay has a stage out <laughs> out in their pool oh shit. so so it's an outdoor concert that you're in the pool and you can swim right up to the stage or the bar or the bar well my sister and i actually sat out on the beach that they had out there which was right <laughs> next to the bar i was close enough to see roy orsable but i was close enough to the bar now now my favorite band that i saw was marillion but um i can honestly say i'm not familiar with that band how do i how do i explain this i I can't, I can't really explain it because I'm actually friends with their lighting designer, and if I explain it, somebody's gonna get mad at me. And, and <laughs> you can't I, even explain I, the genre of music. No, I can explain the genre. Oh, okay, go ahead. Yeah, Marillion is almost like Pink Floyd. Okay, uh, they started in the '70s, were big in the '80s. They they. They wrote a an album called Misplaced Childhood, which has the song Kaylee in it, which okay. is the song that I 
named my daughter after. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah, that's how much influence that this band, well, it could be that this band had a lot of influence on me, or it could be the fact that uh, that album is written as a, a rock opera. So it's nonstop all the way through. And at the tail end of Kaylee, there's a, a song that plays, that sounds just like Kaylee, but it's called Lavender. And the reason that I named my daughter after that song is because that whole thing is about a hooker. And at that point in time, my ex-wife couldn't keep other people's dicks out of her pussy. So. A little revenge there. <laughs> so to this day. <laughs> which which could be the reason why my daughter doesn't talk to me anymore. But I... <laughs> See, at least my daughter's names are fairly innocent. I have a Samantha and I have a Mackenzie. So I have a Sammy Davis and I have a Mac Davis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Needless to this is Scoot from the Cleveland Sports Fan Network here to tell you about our new lineup for the rest of 2021 and beyond. We still have your favorites like Oshimaida and the Fan on Mondays, our flagship show, the Cleveland Sports Fan on Tuesdays, Wednesday has the Burley Gunner Show, Thursday is the Four Chubs, a roundtable show hosted by Burley Gunner, and on Friday, Pit Road News, a NASCAR, F1, and IndyCar talk show hosted by Scoot, the Cleveland sports fan himself. New episodes every day at 6 a.m. Eastern. Visit us at redcircle.com forward slash Cleveland dash sport dash fan. Um, <laughs> so we've uh, gotten sidetracked here majorly. Where were we? Uh, well, it's not really sidetracked. It, oh, okay. It, I mean, it we always, were talking about Belkin always and stuff comes like that. together. Oh, it, me, <laughs> music brings the world together. This is true. This is true. Uh, uh, now, now, uh, <clears throat> so anyway, <laughs> so anyway. Scott, was, Scott was going to trip down memory lane there. Forgive him. He'll be right back. So anyways, the, the large venue in Cleveland, uh, was the Richfield Coliseum. And the problem with the Richfield Coliseum was the lack of luxury suites. Uh, or acoustics or the fact that it was built for sports and not music. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, uh, well, that that's beside that. Okay. Let's say, let's say it like this. The Richfield Coliseum was built in 1960-something. I'm going to have to look this one up, guys. Uh, Richfield. I don't even know why I'm doing this, because Burke's going to type it faster. Faster. Nineteen seventy-four. Nineteen seventy-four. Okay, <clears throat> so as a replacement for the Cleveland Arena, a seating capacity of twenty thousand two seventy-three for basketball. 
All right. And ice hockey. And yes, yes. And and sadly, I have been to the spot where the Coliseum used to stand and it is just this field of you can see bits of concrete and weeds and there's just it's just big open field of nothing. And when was Rocket Mortgage? Rocket. Oh. Rocket Stadium? Is it Rocket Stadium? Uh, Is that the... uh, you got Progressive Field, Fifth Percent, American Airlines Center. I, I don't even know what the damn thing's called anymore. Rocket Mortgage Field House. That's it. Okay. Multi-purpose arena. Blah 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 blah. Which I've been there to see. I've been there once to see one show. That was um, not Bare Naked Ladies. Was, uh, I'll think of it here in a minute. But anyway. Yes, that is, was, that is literally yeah, when, right downtown. When was it built? Uh, NBA, Cleveland Monsters, American Hockey, Cavaliers, uh, opened in 1994. Okay, so. Right next to Progressive Field, which is the Indians. The Richfield Coliseum was built in 1974, did we say? I believe, yes. And was defunct in 20 years yeah so the building had not outlasted its purpose but all of the people i.e the cleveland cavaliers said that the building couldn't make them any money because there weren't enough uh business loges ah that makes sense so Hence the fact that they uh, they went to build uh, the Rocket Mortgage Field House, whatever you fucking right. want. Let's just put 400 different names on it. I don't care. <laughs> well, it changes every year. I mean, um, <laughs> why, why can't you just call it the Cleveland Coliseum? You know, kind of like the Richfield Coliseum. Because um, it was in and, Richfield. It made sense. Oh, yeah. Quicken Loans. It was renamed in uh, 05 and, or so, 19. Yeah, whatever. So, yeah, it's, I believe it is now called Quicken Loans. So at the, at the time, uh, the union, the union, IATSE Union, okay. which is your uh, International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, um, uh, had... A con- had the contract. The Akron Akron Union had the contract for the Richfield Coliseum. Okay. They also had the contract for the Akron Civic Theater, as well as Tangiers, as well as uh, uh, a couple other venues. Um, there was a lot of backhanded crap that happened with Rocket Mortgage, whatever you want to call it. Uh, including a a law being passed that no large show could be done within 30 miles of Rocket Mortgage Center. Uh, 
including uh, uh, the IIC local in Akron, uh, somehow, somehow, I, I don't know the exact story off the top of my head. I can't remember exactly what happened. I can't remember if there was a union in Cleveland and a union in Akron, which I think is what the issue was. But losing the Richfield Coliseum basically cost about 150 people their jobs. The um, Akron guys, yeah. Yeah. And it locked them down to the Akron Civic Theater and E.J. Thomas Hall uh, because the Jar Arena had not been built yet. Okay. So, so they were kind of, you know... Hurting. They, yeah, you, you're, you don't have enough venues for the amount of people that you have on your on your call list um anyways i don't know where we were going with this uh, anyways i yeah so anyways rocket mortgage now becomes the lead venue in northeast ohio yep uh there uh, are indoor you should say indoor Yes. Blossom's still running strong, but very seasonal. But it, one of my friends from high school used to be the general manager out at Blossom, uh, Mark Gurton. He's now with uh, AEG out. I, I think he's running the Staples Center now, or he's vice president of something at AEG. Um, and I, it just... It, you're talking about a kid who came from Ohio. But he ran the premier amphitheater in the country. Oh, yeah. Man, and, and now he's out in L.A. running the Staples Center. Or actually <laughs> run part of AEG altogether. Um, this is, it just, it just goes to show you how much influence Cleveland had. Now, here's where where things have kind of taken a falter. Um, we're still holding the inductions in New York. Yeah, Is there's there's something in New York, but there's also something that happens in Cleveland. In Cleveland. Yeah. We know who... Okay, I, I think the way that it works is they announce the winners in Cleveland... But the actual induction is done in New York. Okay, fair enough. Um, and there was somebody interesting that won this year. I can't remember who it was, though. Um, I was actually surprised that The Cure made it in. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, they made it in last year. It's... Uh, I... I think... The fact that that even Cleveland, Cleveland was kind of the base for Ticketron. Oh, really? Uh, and let's see. I have to look this up now. I may actually delete what I'm about to say. You're, you're asking uh, just back up. You're asking about the inductees, Tina Turner. Carol King, the Go Go's, Jay Z, Foo Fighters, yay, 
Todd Rundgren, about time. Craftwork. Uh, God damn. Okay. Uh, LL Cool J, Randy Rhodes, Billy Preston. Those are the people that made it in for 21. Randy Rhodes made it in? Yeah. Musical Excellence Award. Wow. Uh, Ticketron was based in Fort Lee, New Jersey. Uh, okay, so I, I'm probably gonna I'm probably gonna work around what I just said there. Um, you said Tina Turner. Yeah. There's somebody that surprised me, and oh, it was the Foo Fighters. Uh, having a, a local boy like David Grohl. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. We talked about him last week. Yeah, it's it's good to see a local boy get into the into the Hall of Fame. He he excites me. Have you I ever watched love, any of his shows? Oh my god, he he will have nine year old kids come up and play drums in his show. He don't care. Um, I, I said there. Yeah. He had a sixteen year old girl come up and play guitar the other day, and I'm, I'm watching this on on YouTube. I'm like, uh, you know, it's like damn girl could play oh yeah and all of a sudden he's like okay here we go but he's also <laughs> he's also had this this drum war going with this girl named nanji yes on youtube during her. lockdown oh that was great wrote a song with her or for her or something and something oh, yeah. like that oh yeah I mean, yeah he, he's just not only is a phenomenal player but just a good dude just likable guy there, there's i love him there's a lot of bands that you go and work for um i mean we've we've talked about the george clinton thing um very personal group of guys that they'll they're nice to everyone but there's definitely some that you just sit back and you're like oh god cream and honest here i go take out the brown m&ms yeah okay I'm not going to point fingers at Jeffrey Osborne, but Jeffrey Osborne is one of them. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, 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 David seems like David seems like a very cool guy uh, to work with. Um, no, like I said, I've done, I've done a lot of one-off concerts with with certain people. I've I've had production managers come running into the lighting booth screaming, "This isn't an EDM show!" Fucking quit <laughs> flashing the fucking lights. Um, you know, you have dickheads now and then, um, but David Grohl's not one of them. I just, I will honestly say I don't keep working for people that are are dicks there's just you, you gotta have everyone's out for perfection in the business but, but perfection does not always happen yeah <laughs> don't have to be a dick about trying to achieve perfection um I, I mean we have all in america heard the stories about billy joel and he is one guy that i just don't yeah, I, I, it, it was funny because I just watched a Netflix show about drummers and really had no idea how he dicked over 
like the dude that was in his band for like 30 years. I had no clue. And I'm like, oh, damn it. I got to hate him now. But, like- uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was kind of sad. Um, yeah, it, it really is because he's he's a gentleman that I would uh, I would love to work with for the fact that he's uh, uh, meticulous about the way things look and all that. And I'm kind of, I mean, people don't like working with me because I'm a perfectionist. I need it to be, I need it to look. I need it to look great. Um, uh, Has anyone ever told you that perfectionism is the antithesis of completion? I did not know that. <laughs> there comes a point where you have to stop as and a, complete. <laughs> but as, um, okay, I yeah. <laughs> so i i was i was I was lighting a show. It was a a theater musical called Billy Elliot. And I think I had 375 cues in the show. I mean, it was, it was very much music based and it was because it was, it was all dancing. I, I was doing a lot of, of lighting changes to enhance the body. Uh, but yet, hide certain things anyways so we're we're in we're in tech for a week oh god before the show opens and the day before final dress rehearsal the director comes up to me he's like you know we're not even into act two yet (laughs) fuck (laughs) like what 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 (laughs) hold on (laughs) i guess now I I will have to I I will say this I will say this I I I won uh, in the Dallas Fort Worth area they they have an awards program that that uh, is just for the Dallas Fort Worth area and I did win best lighting design for a musical for that show nice um, congratulations everybody. That show was not done being recorded until about five minutes before the curtain went up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I I spent four four days there without going home, without going to bed. Just yeah, that writing that, cues, I, writing cues, writing yeah. cues, and then and then you you get so you get so tired that you're sitting there after you wrote all this stuff thinking that it's going to be gorgeous and, and, and everyone starts acting in the light that you created and you're like, fuck <laughs> the fuck was I thinking? Why is that coming on over there? He's over there. I got, oh, God. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> he misses cute. Now that was me fucking up. Damn it. Oh man. Yeah. Rock and roll is so much easier. <laughs> yeah. Just throw up all the bright lights when the you know the drums play. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, okay. God spot on the solos. Yeah, great. Okay, good sounds. It's it's totally different nowadays. The the, the computer technology and everything that we have, um, it, it actually amazes me how many shows are 
are time time coded now. Um, so, wait, did, so it, 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 me being out of lighting for forty years, do, do they have lighting consoles now that can that can take cues from like music and shit like that now? What 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 three quarters of the light boards used now is time code. So you have a base machine that runs a click track to the ears of the artists, but it also runs a time code to the soundboard as well as the light board. Nice. Okay. And so everything is, is pre-cued. So like if I'm going to go do a big concert tour, a big tour, say something like Motley Crue. Okay. Uh, we would move into a warehouse for about a month and we would go over every song that they have and time code the lighting sequences in for it. So literally your light board operator now is just sitting there babysitting. Like if they change the the set list and decide to do girls, girls, girls instead of uh, home sweet home in slot two. I can be there to punch that in, boom. Got it. Okay. Punch the page in. But I'm also there to run blinders or house lights or, you know, if if somebody isn't in the right spot, I can go and bring up an area. Got it. Know. Yeah. So yeah. but almost everything now is time coded. Uh and and it almost has to be you, you start to think about it each of your lighting fixtures nowadays have 10, 12, 24, 37 channels. Jesus uh, Christ. I, I mean, you know, you, you got pan, you got tilt, you've got, you've got red, green, blue, cyan, magenta, yellow, uh, all these different channels. And uh, it, it's, it's almost to the point now where running a running a live show is just not it, it's no bueno anymore <laughs> it's all it's the a, preparation is that what you're saying yeah and and the the problem with that is that that you get a lot of these one-off shows what what we consider what we call a one-off show is a show that that i go into a venue that morning i set up lighting a band comes in does sound check we do a show, we pack the shit up, we go home, we never see each other again. That's going to be um, a little rough. And, and that's, yeah, but that's almost, I mean, because of the fact that, that there aren't big tours going out now. Oh, yeah. That's your bread and butter. I mean, that's the only way that you're going to feed your family right now. Uh, so, yeah. Um, like I said, Jules Belkin was a fabulous thing for certain things, but the man was there to make money for himself, not no. for us lighting designers or stagehands. No. Um, but although it was a sound guy, hold on. Yes, he was. No, no, no. It was a sound man for Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons. Yes. That turned him on to rock and roll. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Roy Clare is the guy's name. Suggested that they consider doing rock and roll 
said it was going to be biz, big business. And after that, they started doing the shows in Toledo and Akron and Cleveland. And those uh, until it's their deaths, they were uh, great friends because pointed them in the right direction. That's a... Uh... That that's a that, there was a lot of money that went through Jules Belkin's hands. Uh, I, I don't want to necessarily say that he was a billionaire, but he had billions of dollars go through his hands. Oh God, yeah. It may only be in his hands for about ten minutes before he hands it over to an artist, <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, he created. He created the touring business the way that it is now and uh jules and mike were brilliant about how to save money how to get a show with four artists into one truck you know and and that's ladies and gentlemen that's why cleveland is the rock and roll capital of the world well, the one brother was good at logistics. That would be the other me. brother was good at promotion, and, and that was Jules. And when you and when you and then being that they're related, when you get those two you know brothers together, that's a force to be reckoned with, man. That's you know, thank thank goodness, thank goodness they were there, man. I mean, I when I met Jules. I was young, dumb, and stupid, and and really now you're old, dumb, and stupid. But go ahead, and really didn't realize how important this man was. Uh, uh the fact that there were probably four thousand people getting a paycheck because of this man. Um, none of that set in, you know. I <laughs> I, I walked up to him and. Gave him a high five, said, hey, how's it going? Uh, what are you doing, buddy? Who are you? I'm just an electrician. <laughs> I'm plugging in some lights. What the hell are you doing talking to me? <laughs> yeah, it's important. It's important. No, the, Jules was actually very nice. And he would... If you ran into Jules on a setup or something like that and it was your break time you would not get anything done on your break time because he would just <laughs> sit there and talk to you but that was yeah. that was it i mean he he got i can honestly say it was a belkin production show that made me sit back and say this is what i want to do for the rest of my life guys kind of sounds like robbie benson in a way what do you mean I I did a show at uh, at the the theater in downtown Akron there at the Civic with and, with, uh, with Robbie with Robbie Benson and his wife Carla Devita Robbie you know do you, do you remember Carla Devita I remember Carla Devita and I actually did a couple of shows with Robbie Benson nice okay but anyway, Kelly Players yeah yeah I was doing Kelly Players at the time also but uh, yeah me and Craig. They're, they had a daughter named Lyric, and Lyric was having her seventh birthday, and Craig and I were invited to the party, and so we were out finding a gift for little Lyric, and we're in Summit Mall at a toy store. Scum it. 
at the very back of the store with our backs to the front and then from behind us we hear hey burke hey craig and we're like what the fuck is that we turn around and it's robbie benson we're like a <laughs> how do you know our names b how do you know our names from behind and c why are you bothering to talk to us but yeah it's super nice folks just yeah nice uh man uh i was doing a kenley player show and uh i'm trying to remember this gentleman's name um he was in he was in the odd couple the tv show the old tv show okay that was jack uh, klugman who's and, the other guy? oh son of a bitch i don't remember uh uh god damn it it was the other guy. The other guy, the, the effeminate guy. Yeah, I keep wanting to say his name was Tony something. but Yes, I, I... Uh, yeah, you are correct. Uh, uh... And I can't find it yet. My phone is failing me. Tony, god damn it. Yes, but anyway, go, go ahead. Tony was was in the show you were in tony randall tony randall uh we were i think i think we were doing the show at tangiers i can't i can't remember now um uh, john kenley did a bunch of shows out at at a restaurant called tangiers um, restaurants selling it short <laughs> I mean, it was, it was kind of, it, yeah, it had a restaurant, yes. It was it a state-of-the-art venue, though. And it also had a really nice stage with uh, amphitheater-kind-of-style seating and, uh, and, and, and ballrooms and shit like that. Yeah, it was a, kind of a complex, almost, um, no. near, near side, west side of Akron, near, near downtown. Yeah, um well john used to produce there he used to produce over at carousel he used to produce all over the place as a matter of fact i think i think his spinoff of phantom of the opera was done out at carousel uh which everyone got really really mad at because they thought it was going to be the real phantom of the opera and no it was john kenley's version of phantom of the opera. <laughs> i love john anyways tony randall we could do a whole show on John, Jesus Christ. But anyway, uh, Tony Randall. Tony Randall. Um, <laughs> I didn't run into him at Scummit. I ran into him at a restaurant in downtown Akron, and he recognized the the. Well, it was it was the crew. It was right down. I cannot remember the name of this restaurant now. This is Scoot from the Cleveland Sports Fan Network here to tell you about our new lineup for the rest of 2021 and beyond. We still have your favorites like Oshimaida and the Fan on Mondays, our flagship show, the Cleveland Sports Fan on Tuesdays, Wednesday has the Burley Gunner Show, Thursday is the Four Chubs, a roundtable show hosted by Burley Gunner, and on Friday, Pit Road News, a NASCAR, F1, and IndyCar talk show hosted by Scoot the Cleveland sports fan himself. New episodes every day at 6 a.m. Eastern. Visit us at redcircle.com forward slash Cleveland dash sport dash fan. It was down the street from Tangiers. And uh, talk about the steakhouse. 
Yeah, it was the steakhouse. <laughs> the I, famous I, steakhouse in Akron that neither of us can remember. <laughs> I, 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 can't, I can't for the life of me remember. The yeah, that, that, that place, that place that, that, and that place is kind of like, like if you didn't have money on you, you could leave your business card there and hook them up next time. <laughs> like if you knew people who knew people, you were getting free stuff. That yeah, it was it, yeah, it was kind of a yeah. The diamond people, not the people diamond loving people. Yeah, was it called the Diamond Steakhouse? I think it was. Was that it? Ah, I heard it in the background. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> was 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 that Nancy or was it Sam? The Diamond Grill. The Diamond Grill. Yes. So we were at the Diamond Grill and Tony walked in and recognized all of us and came over, sat down and ate dinner with all of us. I'm the crew. Like, I'm like I'm like, this is Tony Randall, dude. <laughs> I, I used this guy's to been on Broadway. He's been on TV. And he's I used hanging to watch out with you the on grunts. TV. <laughs> I mean, you used to do a show with Quincy. <laughs> <laughs> now. Now, I, now I do have to go back to John now because you you got me thinking about John. Oh dear God, <sighs> we we no, we can't go down this avenue. It's just <laughs> John. John was a fabulous character, and he loved Ohio. He never wanted to live anyplace else. Uh, he loved Ohio. He yeah he was he he should have been more at home in New York City but didn't want to leave the state for some reason. I mean think about it you have a producer from Cleveland Ohio who wins the honorary award the honorary Tony Award for achievement in the art. Uh, that's. That's an amazing thing. It's only given out once a year. It's only given to one person. And John Kenley won it. <laughs> and we worked with him. Now, he was crazy. I, don't get me wrong, people. He was absolutely flat-ass nuts. And he had some of the best parties I've <laughs> ever seen in my entire life. And I, I okay, I'm gonna. I'm gonna and on a personal it. note, man, he was a weird dude. <laughs> John, I was at a party at John's house. Yeah. You've never met a whiter person. And John, John, John's <laughs> like, come on in, come on in, everybody. It's, it's a happy time. It's a happy time. And about halfway through the night, he walks up to me. He's like, "Are you gay?" <laughs> I'm like, "No, no, I'm, I'm straight." He said, by the time you leave this house, you'll be gay. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, okay. <laughs> well, aren't, aren't there un, un, oh God, how do I, how do I phrase this? Aren't there unsubstantiated claims that he was a hermaphrodite? 
It's not unsubstantiated. He was. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Um, and that's actually written in his biography. Uh, oh, okay. Anyways, uh, I went to that party with. Okay, man. Now, now we're now we're really seriously going down <laughs> oh, memory God. lane here. Um, the lighting designer that that uh, John used to love to use was Tom Skelton. Yes, and I worked under Tom from like 1987 to 1990. Um, he was uh, he was a fabulous teacher both him and paul dom were oh, yeah. extremely good at teaching lighting and what i loved about working with with tom was that uh he was he was heavy in dance and that was where i always wanted my life to go i loved the color i loved the saturation that's yeah used movement in dance. Yeah. yeah yeah but i also love to accentuate the body and make it a part of of the music that's being played. So the dance becomes one with the music. Anyways, that you, was... You, you, and then you gotta play with shadows at that point. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, it, it's a lot more it, technically so, difficult, but a lot more fun. So, so <laughs> Tom is taking me to this party over at, um, over at John's house. And Tom's partner at the time uh at the time i think they they had been together for like 30 years um did not go with us but forewarns me ahead of time <laughs> whatever you do don't get cornered by john <laughs> Those are just words to live by anytime you do theater. <laughs> Don't get cornered by the director. Don't get Whatever cornered. Do. <laughs> Don't, Don't get, get cornered by. <laughs> if you do get cornered, don't turn around. <laughs> Hug the wall. Hug the wall. <laughs> Eventually, you'll find a door. <laughs> Use it. <laughs> um, oh, wow. Um, yeah. Yeah, Tony Randall was nice. Yep. Uh, Jeffrey Osborne wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie Benson was. Uh, right. Okay. Carla DeVita was. So, I... I Okay, I know that I know that it's getting late, but I, I'm going to tell I'm going to tell another story. And this story isn't actually about Ohio. This was oh know. oh shame on you. Oh man, I well I've been drinking Maker's Mark. What do you want? I'm on like my third thirty three ouncer. Um, this may be the last can of this six pack. I'm not quite sure. Uh, is that the is that the citrus one? This is still the grapefruit one. Yes, and it is gosh I fabulous. Well, there's a place here in in uh, what, where what, you live. What time? Yeah, by by where I live, called <laughs> Halls, and they import. <laughs> I love that. I love that. They import beer from other states. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, actually, in Texas, that is tough. So yeah, okay. Um, 
but I can get Great Lakes there. So I'm I'm gonna go by and see if I can find this this beer. Anyways, no, no, this not, is not this is not the Great Lakes. This is a, from Columbus. That was like a bird dog or something like that. Oh, oh crap! I got more of them. What the heck? Is it bird dog? What's it called? Brew dog. Brew dog. Elvis juice. Okay, I'm I'm definitely gonna try that. Anyways, yeah. Anyway, so I'm very I'm drinkable. More. I I took a job at the Virginia Opera in Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, I was actually hired to over there over the summer clean out all of their lighting instruments and rebench focus all of them to make them perfect. Well, okay. wh while I was doing this project, uh, uh, a guy named David Latham, who was their production manager, came up to me. He was like, hey, we're about to do a Lou Rawls show here. Um, can you help with the lighting since we've taken all the lights down? Uh, I said, yeah, I can help with you. I can, I can set something up for your, for your show. So I go and set up all of this stuff and, uh, uh, Lou gets there. Um, he doesn't do sound check with him. You know, he has somebody else do sound check. Okay. So, so I'm there in the light booth and his lighting guy comes up and he's like, I don't know how to use this light board. And I said, okay. <laughs> Well, I can do it for you. So, <laughs> so his production manager comes up, and he's like, "Oh, you're you're running lights, yeah, yeah. Just tell me what you want, and I'll give you what you what you need." So I do yeah. the whole show. Um, I'm about to leave, and Lou Rawls walks up to me. Like, You'll never find, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, Scott, um. Yeah, um, I think, uh, I think yeah, I need you to come with me. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I said, is your name John Kenley? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so I proceed to to leave the Virginia Opera and um and go play with Lou Rawls for the rest of well until he basically croaks um Jesus <laughs> sorry Lou well Lou knew that that I was I was a crass man and had no problem swearing on the headset <laughs> <laughs> just appreciated that I think he appreciated the dickheadedness that I have in me. Um, he he was the first star that that I I got to actually have like really in depth conversation with, which makes it a totally different show. Like you kind of have a different feeling about how how they want their music to be to be heard. Um. Yeah. So it was. Yeah. He was an interesting man to work with. Um. I don't know how I got on him, but <laughs> from John Kenley of all things. Uh, for all you John Kenley fans, I didn't actually get on him. 
<laughs> you never know. You might have missed out on the night of your life. <laughs> okay, I, okay, I'm gonna open. I'm gonna open Pandora's box now. Oh um, God! Now, now, now I'm, I told you, I'm, I, I'm beers into as a matter of everyone. Your bourbon's a, into this conversation. I'm only beers in. We're 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 gonna take a break here for a second because I have to go reload. Uh, we'll be right back. That would, and we're back. Okay. I have to open Pandora's box now. Oh, good Lord. God, I have to. Um, I have always had a very simple rule in, in the world of entertainment. Uh, and that's... The- and, and I can tell you what's not. It's probably not don't come where you eat. But... Uh- <laughs> well, there there was always the 250-mile rule. If you were more than 250 miles away from home, anything was was fair game. Um, but I never really stood by that. I never slept with anyone that was involved in a show that I was in until I was no longer under contract. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a probably a fairly decent rule to follow. Um, I, I had to come up with this rule. Because of the Eileen Brennan show. <laughs> Did we go over this before? <laughs> I have a bad feeling we're about to go over it again. Um, so I, I was doing this show at Virginia Stage Company. It was called Beauty Queen of Lenon. It's a fabulous show starred a woman named Bernadette Quigley and the other lady was Eileen Brennan. Oh, Eileen. Now to preface Mm. this, before Scott did this show, he took a trip to Ohio and hung out with Carl and And Burke and Burke and, and some other folks and, 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 and proclaimed I'm gonna fuck Eileen Brennan <laughs> then the three of us looked at him like do you know how old she is at this point in time do you know what she looks like at this point in time now I'm gonna you know, to the point of on my phone Scott's picture is Eileen Brennan because it's Eileen Brennan. Please go for it. Now, now remember, ladies and gentlemen, uh, my time at the at the Virginia Stage Company. When was I? I was there in nineteen ninety eight, ninety nine. Sounds about right. Uh, it was a fabulous time. There, the artistic director was Charlie Hensley, who is still a very very good friend of mine. I talked to him a lot. I love the man to death. Um, I still won't sleep with you, Charlie. <laughs> Even though you're not under contract. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, you're fair game now. Hold on. <laughs> so, so 
remember in the 90s we we had the internet yes but ish kind of it wasn't like like if you bought a two thousand dollar computer and you got the aol disc that gave you 30 free days yes you had the internet oh yeah and the only search engine online was yahoo no which um no it wasn't yahoo wasn't even invented at that point in time it was more like uh, oh christ what was it oh Ah, oh, God, my head hurts even thinking about that. Uh, not Gopher, but it was something like that. But anyway. Yahoo. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyways, there's there's no way for a person who uh, oh. Re- finally remembers Eileen Brennan in her heyday. Hey, hey, Yahoo was around. It was built in 1994. So I may have I may have used Yahoo, but I still had to do it with that that AOL Bing Ding Phone Modem hookup. Um so So there's no way to know what a person looks like unless you saw the, the movie Clue. True. Or something like that. I had not seen the movie Clue. I remember <laughs> Eileen Brennan from Private Benjamin. Or FM. She was hot in FM. Well, that's, Chris, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I digress. Anyway. I digress. Yeah, no way. No way for me to know. <laughs> I walked into that theater. They wheeled her in in a wheelchair. <laughs> And the first thing that shot into my head was, oh, fuck, Burke's going <laughs> to laugh his ass off. <laughs> now, one of my, one of my, uh, one of my good friends still to this day, uh, his, his name is Alan. I will not say his last name to protect him. Protect the innocent. <laughs> Wheel her out. Uh, now, Alan, Alan kind of knew the idiotic things that Scott said to Burke and Carl <laughs> one night. So he proceeded. Uh, Alan was the company manager at the time. So he's the one that goes and picks up the artists and all that stuff and make sure that they have housing and all that stuff. So he very politely, I guess I would say, decided that it was appropriate to tell Eileen about the bet. (laughs) What a guy. And you call him your friend, yes? Now, this show ran for four weeks. (laughs) And we had a week of rehearsal uh, for tech that that I was the stagehand for. I was the stage boy who turned the gas on and off for the (laughs) oven. And I proceeded to make sure that Miss Brennan was able to get to her wheelchair when she came (laughs) off stage. Of which, every time, I felt a hand go down the back of my pants. 
<laughs> she was extremely polite about it and said, thank you, Scott. In her own personable way. Meanwhile, in the back of my head, all I can think of is Burke and Carl sitting in the sauna laughing. <laughs> it was a very long, long show run. <laughs> Of which I was not <laughs> privy to the fact that she knew about <laughs> the bet. Until she told me the last night. <laughs> now that's a cosmic professional if I've ever heard. <laughs> now the problem with the way that she told me was that she said she was willing to do her part. <laughs> I mean, if you got to win a bet, you know, you got to win a bet. <laughs> That's a trooper. That... <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, I'm fucking crying now, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> with that said, the next time that I went to Ohio... <laughs> which was in 2019, 20 years later, hoping that Burke would have forgot about it. We went to a party at my friend Bob's house. Everyone got together, sat around. First thing, first thing Burke brings up. I remember when you almost slept with Eileen Brennan. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> and ever since that day, I never slept with anyone on a show again. <laughs> so that's where that rule came from. It's the Eileen Brennan rule. <laughs> Um, I, I said I was going to open Pandora's box. I, I was, I was seriously going to sit back and and talk about um, how in in this day and age it's still okay for for uh, people in the entertainment industry to to make sexual advances towards people especially when they're gay like the gay people are not getting persecuted in this at all the straight guys are um, okay but the gay <clears throat> guys aren't and, and that just got me to start thinking about the fact that man i almost slept with eileen brennan in a wheelchair would i have to carry her to the bed the mechanics escape me i, or, I don't know or do I call the company manager, Alan, to help with that? Is there rigging involved in this? <laughs> and, 
Hey, Alan, bring your wife. <laughs> some block and tackle and I don't know. Some pool noodles. I don't know. She, I she, 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 can, she can grab the hanging bits. Okay. <laughs> the wheelchair go back and forth. I don't know. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Um. Yeah. Uh, that, that sounds a, that that sounds like a really good note. That that sounds like a fabulous note to end this on. Yes, it's, it does. Um, <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know if it gets any better than that. <laughs> I I was actually I will say this. I her family one of her family members did contact me when she died, so. She had kept my phone number in her phone, which was which was cool. that's kind of sweet. I won't lie. Um, she was she was a fabulous woman, guy, uh, ladies and gentlemen. She, uh, our actor's housing was about four blocks away from the the theater, and we used to walk. And she would hand out twenty dollar bills to the homeless people, all the way. Damn. Uh, and I mean, I'm sure she wasn't rich when when it when it came down to the end, but um, but she was a good woman. Anyways, on that note, we're gonna get out of here. This is Davis and Davis, the law firm that doesn't do law. And we are out of here. Good night, everyone. <laughs>